RadioInfluence.com. Hey gang, this week's Real Animals podcast is presented by Contender Boats, and I'm super excited to uh, get the chance to sit down with one of my favorite people in the fishing industry and one of the true fishing legends, in my opinion, probably the best female angler, for sure one of the best female anglers in the entire country, Captain Lisa Fitzgerald. She's the Star Tournament Director, the Florida CCA Star Tournament Director here, and uh, does a great job. So I hope you enjoy this podcast as much as I'm looking forward to doing it. Welcome to another edition of the Real Animals Podcast presented by Contender Boats. My guest today is Florida CCA Star Tournament Director. Uh, That's her official title right now, but uh, I I know her as Captain Lisa Fitzgerald, and you should know her as one of the best lady anglers in the country. Uh, Great tournament fisherman, great recreational angler, uh, avid hunter and outdoorsman all around, as uh, seen on the uh, social media today by by the big buck that was down in Kansas. How are you today, Lisa? I am, I am walking on cloud twelve. <laughs> I'll, bet, I'll bet you are. What a buck that was that I saw on your social media this morning. Congratulations! What a deer. Good well, job. yeah, it, it's been a lot of years um, leading up to that. Um, it's it's been hardship and heartaches and um, lots of training and practicing and really it was all well worth it. I guess so. That thing is beautiful. Like anything. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's, it's, it was bad for me. Um, because I just last week shot my biggest buck ever. And, uh, then I saw your buck and my buck really didn't seem like all that much. So I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> well, but here's the thing. Um, you know, I, I, for us, for us as a person, when we accomplish something, we shouldn't, I try not to do it, but I always do. You know, there's always going to be a bigger buck. There's always going to be a bigger fish, but that buck that I shot was perfect for me. And your big buck was just right for you. (laughs) Um, You know, that's the way, that's the way I look at it. Um, You know, I'll just, uh, now I know when I go into the woods, I, I won't shoot a lesser buck because I have this one already. Well, and that's really what happened to me. Last year, I shot a buck that I should have let walk. But at the time I shot that buck, it was an eight point, but it was, and it was the biggest buck I had ever seen in the woods. Um, I shot that buck and this buck this year, um, I probably, I could have probably let it walk. But again, it was bigger than last year's buck. And the biggest buck I had ever seen in the woods. Um, so uh, my partners in my hunt club said, just keep going in that direction. Just keep upgrading and you'll be fine. Don't shoot one smaller than the last one you shot. So um, congr- exactly. Yeah. Congratulations on that. That's a, uh, that's a great deal there. Let's. Um, now, and you know, go ahead. You know, just one more comment is that, um, you know, a buck in Florida, that's a big buck is different than a buck that's in Kansas. No that's doubt. a big buck. No doubt. They're, they're no two doubt. separate creatures. Yes. Uh, because, you know, um, they, they, they just are. Yeah. And 
I can tell you a big buck in Florida is so much harder or a big buck in Georgia is so much harder to get than a big buck in Kansas. Well, Dale, our buddy, Captain Dale Fields, I know you know Dale. Um, yeah. Dale shot a really big 10 point the morning after mine and uh, it, it put deer in perspective, looked a lot more like your deer <laughs> than my deer did. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's it's hunting season here in Florida and uh and, uh, uh, you know, it's that time of year when a lot of great things are going on. Let's, let's dive into, I want, I want to know how Lisa Fitzgerald becomes Captain Lisa Fitzgerald. Did you, did you fish as a kid? I mean, has this been something, you know, that you've, oh, yeah. you've always done? Tell me, tell me how it all starts for you. So how it all starts for me are my grandparents and parents. Um, my, my grandmother was an avid angler. She was from Iowa, so it was freshwater fishing. Um, my dad and my mom both were avid outdoorsmen and sportsmen. Um, I was born in Jacksonville, Florida. My dad was in the Navy. Um, you know, he served in the Navy for 27 years as a helicopter pilot, as a fighter pilot. Um, he, he was one of those that I, I say ambidextrous, but he flew both helicopters, fixed wing and um, non-fixed wing um, aircraft. Nice. And we, we were always doing something in the outdoors, whether it was fishing or hunting. And then when my dad left um, Jacksonville, we went to the Keys and I grew up in Key West Wow! with my first job being catching bait and selling bait and fishing off the pier. And, you know, I just became um, infatuated with, with catching fish. And then when we left um, Key West, we moved to the central part of the state to a small town called Moss Bluff which then got me into bass fishing and hunting. And again, um, you know, just consumed by it. And I was the only girl in my neighborhood. So I was, if, if I was going to go and do things and have fun, I had to do what the guys were doing. Interesting. And it just, you know, it just became, I was one of the boys. And I, as I grew up, and I went through being a businesswoman. I just found that I, you know, I, I was with my father and I was in a stagnant situation. And I was like, Daddy, I am so miserable. I'm unhappy. And we were sitting at Rodman Dam and we were bass fishing with big shiners and drinking beer. And my dad said, well, if you're not happy with your um, with your current situation and your job, change it. And I was like. Uh, yeah, yeah. And he goes, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, this is what I want to do. I want to fish and drink beer. <laughs> so I, like I, I started doing some research um, and I decided to become a recruiter in the outdoor industry so that I could find my own job. And um, I did. I went out and started doing recruiting in the outdoor industry and realized that there was a, a huge gap where women were not in the fishing industry. And I just, I had met a couple gals that were fishing professionally. You may remember them, Captain Sandy and two gals that fished for Ranger, Sandy and Patty. Okay. Do you remember them? Oh, for sure. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I met them at a boat show. I saw them and they were dressed 
you know, in their, in their um, fishing shirts. And when I asked them questions about the boats, um, they were somewhat knowledgeable, but turned me over to someone else. And I thought, you know what, with my marketing and public relations degree, I can do what they're doing. I, I can do this. And so I went out and just got my, uh, my, my captain's license for, you know, credible purposes. And I just went to ranger boats and different um, companies and just asked them to have faith in me. And one of my mentors was Captain Jeffrey Page. Oh, nice. Nice. And Jeffrey is the one that taught me he's a savant when it comes to redfish. No doubt. And he's the one that started sharing with me all the little secrets and things to find them, how to find them, where to find them, how to catch them. And um, I will tell you, um, I, I was, pardon the pun, hooked. <laughs> and now I needed to find someone that I could fish with as a fishing partner. And I reached out to a couple of different captains. There were other women that were um, fishing, but but none of them really, none of them clicked. If, if that makes sense, you have to click with your fishing partner. My uh, my uncle, my uncle Bill, was four time world walleye fishing champion on the pro walleye tournament circuit, um, and he did all that before the the pro redfish tournament trail started here. So when I first started to fish the tour, I called my uncle Bill and I said, Uncle Bill, give me some advice. And he said, the first thing I'm going to tell you, and the most important thing I'm going to tell you is find the right partner. He said, because that's exactly. the key to the whole deal. The key to the whole deal is that you're going to spend a ton of time with this person. If you're going to be successful, you got to get that part right first. So I totally get how hard that must, that must have been. It was hard for me. And, you know, I had a couple different partners and, and it, it, it's a really, I think the most successful teams in the history of the sport of tournament red fishing have been those partnerships that seem to, to, to last the longest and do the best together. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, um, when I met Captain Marilee Dunn, she was as humble and um, just as wonderful and kind and um, knowledgeable. But the first thing she said to me was, I don't target redfish. And I said, well, don't worry about that. If you can catch fish, I can find them for you to catch. I was being a little cocky. <laughs> and, um, you know, we, we started talking and finally she agreed. I had to pursue her pretty hard and she finally agreed to fish with me. And, um, you know, she is my MacGyver. She could fix anything. We would be walking in a parking lot and she'd see a piece of copper wire and she'd pick it up. She'd say, I'll need this one day. <laughs> she put it in, in, in our bag. And sure enough, you know, we're stuck out on a, a flat in, um, you know, in the keys when we, you know, run the bogeys and get back there on rattlesnake and our, um, our, our batteries had died and she was able to use that piece of copper wire <laughs> and 
do some magic and we got our, our battery started. (laughs) You know, we got our motor started. So, you know, our first year was just pure challenging because we caught the heck out of redfish, but we could not catch them in the slot. We could catch those big oversized reds, but we just couldn't figure out how to get them in the slot. But it just, it, it, it was, Back in the day when the tournaments, you know, the three different series, the FLW, the ESPN, and the IFA, it was, it was a, I, I want to call it a brotherhood, and they just let us sisters in. <laughs> I think you guys earned your way in. I really do. Yes. I think you guys earned your way in. I do. I, I, I remember, um, you know, being fairly young on the tournament scene myself. Um, and on the redfish scene for that matter, um, you know, this being, you know, 21 years ago, I guess now, um, you you know, it, it, and I've been, I've been a captain only for 20 years, you know, this coming July. So, you know, I wasn't even the very first IFA is I didn't even have my captain's license yet. So I was really green to it, but I remember, um, never, ever thinking you guys were an easy out. You know, as you looked at the field at every captain's meeting, you kind of study, okay, who's all here? Who made the trip? Who who didn't come? And I never once thought you guys were an easy out. And I'm not sure, you know, over the years, you and I have got to know one another better. We've always were acquaintances and knew one another, but obviously through your work with CCA and, you know, over time and events and things like that, we've gotten to be good friends and, and gotten to know one another. But I remember even back then not thinking one time, Okay, the the girls are here, so there's one. We'll beat them. You know what I mean? You guys always did a really, really good <laughs> job. You just didn't. I mean, in some cases, you know, guys get cocky like that. They think, oh, there's a, you know. But in y'all's case, it just wasn't like that. Everybody kind of knew you guys were, you guys were dangerous. I think it's just the way you're wired. You know, having filmed some shows with you and spent some time on the water with you, it's just, it's just the way you're wired. It's just your ability to read the water. Um, maybe it's that. Maybe it's maybe it was a little maybe you were being a little cocky. Maybe you were you were befuddling us a little bit with your confidence. But you always seemed confident. I always thought you guys would be a tough out. So for what that's well, worth, and I, mean, and I appreciate that, Mike, because I can always remember, if we, you know, when we were when we finished in the top ten in the All Stars, and you know, guys are like, "What you're." You're number 10 in the All-Stars? There's only 25 teams out of 250. Well, yeah. yeah um, you know, right. We were always a bridesmaid and never a bride. Um, we'd finish in the top five, the top eight. Um, uh, uh, you know, we went to the championships and finished fourth in Sarasota. And, you know, we just, we just could never make it to that number one. And, and, and we were in first place. I know you know this story because I'm sure I've I've shared it with you, but we were in first place the first year we went to the national championships. Wow. And we were in Louisiana and we were a pound ahead of all of the other teams on the first day. And it was, we were just in, in heaven and um, amazing. And they put a camera guy with us and we, we made the mistake. We worked with another team, no names mentioned, and they hadn't been on fish. So they asked if they could go 
fish with us in our spot. And all we said was, yes, you can fish with us in our spot. However, let us catch our first, our fish first. Right. Um, unfortunately, you know how the, the fr- time frame switches. If you're first going out on the first day, you're last going out on the second day. Yep, right. Well, that's what happened. Mm. This, we were one of the first teams out on the first day, so we got there first. The other team never came there. The second day, they were going to be the first team to get to the spot because of the flip and rotation of boat numbers. And it wound up that they got there. Um, they moved in, and as we arrive and start moving in, both guys cast. Mm. Both guys hook up. Both guys bring in two gorgeous fish, and they put them in the live well. And then it was over, huh? Then we pull in, and I'm like, I was furious. I mean, when you, I asked the cameraman to turn his camera off, to turn our microphones <laughs> off, and... I, yeah, it wasn't pretty. And off they pull out and we cast and we catch an absolutely gorgeous fish right under 27, just over nine, almost 10 pounds. Nice. We put him in the live well. We catch another fish, uh, three fish later, and that fish winds up being a fish that is just under the line. We measure him. And he's almost 11 pounds. Wow. We put him in the live well. No, I'm sorry. He was just over at 11 pounds. I apologize. He was just over. We keep fishing, keep fishing, keep fishing, keep fishing. We're down to, we have another fish. We get another fish. It's eight and a half, almost nine pounds. We put it in the live well because it's 26 and a half inches. And now we're just, we're banging it out. And about 20 minutes before we have to leave, I hook this beautiful fish. We bring him in and he is just under the line and over 11 pounds. And so in Louisiana, you can keep more than two fish in your live well. And so we put this fish in the live well. We have the other fish in there. Now we have three fish in our live well. We're not breaking any rules. We bring the other fish out. We're measuring them, measure our big one again. He measures, we measure him four or five times as we're sitting there packing up, getting ready to go. So we release the other fish. And off we head back to the weigh-in. We come in. We're... um, we're really one of the first boats in everybody else is really pushing it, but we had such a long run that we came in early. We get there and they make us wait and they want us to be the last boat oh, to yeah. weigh in their yeah, fish since we were the right. first. Yes. Right. Sure. Mike, it winds up that, um, we didn't know, um, when we bring the fish up, we go up, the first fish goes through, no problem. The second fish they put through, and they say our next fish measures. But then a team contested it and they remeasured it and they have three flips. You know, you flip it. Yeah. If one time it covers the line or it's over, um, the fish is DQ'd. And one of the three, it covered the line. It did not go over, but it covered the line. Wow. 
That's, and we were DQ'd with that's that fish. Oh. Yeah, so that was the only time, and it was a championship that we could have been first. <laughs> wow, wow. Well, don't don't. I yeah. don't think you should feel bad because I I fished it for ten years straight, and and again I I top fived and you know top ten and top twenty and all that stuff, and I could never win one either. So it was just one of those deals we had. Great days where we were in the hunt, where we had the fish we needed and couldn't close the deal. You know, that's tournament fishing um, is one of those things that just, you know, it, it, everything has to come together. And for some teams, it comes together more than once. Um, and and yeah. I, think, I think that's hard to do. I really do. You know, uh, good friends of ours, Brian and Greg Watts, you know, the, the, run, uh, the run they were on. So the, yeah, the, the year that they went on their big run. I mean, they were just... You know, all the stars aligned and everything kind of went their way. Um, you know, you just, you just, sometimes you have those years. Uh, Captain Ryan Rickard right now, a really good friend of mine. I mean, he's, he's finished second like six times. I mean, he's been in the oh. driver's seat and then the last team will come in and just barely beat him. Um, he's just been on a terrible stick at the, in the two hole and, and a phenomenal fisherman. Um, I fished some of the tournaments with him and he's got great partners with him now and they just can't seem to get over the hump, you know, so. I mean, I, I, well, it's unbelievable. Look, look at Derek Engel. Yeah, yeah. There's you know one. Derek Engel. Yeah, he's he's all, he's been he's just been crushing it this last year and a half. Yep. yep. Um, you know, when you're hot, you're hot. Yeah, everything. When you're not, you're yeah, not. everything's kind of <laughs> got to go your way. You know, it's a, it's one of those deals. So let's cover some questions. I just um, I want to uh, I want to ask you some questions now. Um, what would you say, because I know you've done a lot of things, and, and for those listening, you know, Captain Lisa Fitzgerald is my guest today, and, and you've, you do some, you've done some kingfish tournament stuff. Obviously, you know, you made a great name for yourself on the Redfish Tournament Trail. Um, what's your favorite, I know you tarpon fished, you did the tournaments down in Boca Grande with us. What's your favorite fish to target? If you could only oh fish goodness. for one more fish for the rest of your life, Lisa, one fish. Uh, but you could do it a lot, but just one fish, what would you pick and why? Oh, that's like asking me which son I love most. <laughs> um, you know. Got to pick one. <laughs> I got to pick one. Got to pick one. Well, then, then I'm definitely going to pick redfish. Okay. All right. And the reason I'm going to pick redfish is uh, because there are so many different ways to target redfish. You can target redfish by hunting them because I can go out by myself and push pole all day long and hunt redfish in the shallows and just, you know, moving along in my little skiff and, and seeing them and, and getting ahead of them and posting up and casting in front of them and, and hooking up. You know, you can have fun doing that. Then you can have fun when you get in a bigger boat with a bunch of people with live bait or artificials and just blind casting and finding them on points and around oyster bars and have a great day doing that. Or you can go after those just ginormous bull reds. And, uh, you know, there are so many different places oh, yeah. that have redfish where you can target redfish. Yeah. Um, I just have to, they're so versatile and they're hardy. 
I mean, hardy, hardy, hard, until you have one in your live well that you need to keep alive for a tournament. Right. Um, <laughs> but they are hardy. And so I would say that I, it would be redfish because I also enjoy them as table fare on occasion. Sure. Um, sure. You know, I cut the throat so that I don't have that um, red bloodline. Mm-hmm. And they are, they're spectacular so many different ways prepared. Yeah, no doubt. I've had them many different ways. Uh, we, we did our first filming in the Louisiana Delta many years ago. Um, and, and God, we stayed there for three or four days and, they prepared them all kinds of different ways, and they were all just fantastic. So now we know that redfish is your favorite fish to target. Now, what about your favorite place to fish? If you could only fish one estuary now for the rest of your life, what estuary would it be? Now, you could pick a different sun here. You're not pick the same sun, but it's kind of uh, it's kind of the same question. But yeah, I mean, where's, what would be what's your favorite body of water to fish, Lisa? Oh my goodness. My favorite body of water to fish. Um, I am going to have to be, um, a little old school. I'm going to go back to the, uh, Yankee town, English area, Bristol river. And I'm going to have to say that area. Um, the reason that I say that area up in, um, the Gulf is because there are so many different species right in that area to target and you can fish in so many different fashions. The red fishing there is spectacular. Snook fishing there is off the chain. Very underrated. Right now, mm-hmm. the grouper fishing there in seven to 12 foot of water is blowing everybody's mind. <laughs> um, triple tail, when they're hot, they're hot and they will be there. Tarpon are everywhere. We have to remember, people oftentimes forget that Homa Sasa was where all of the world record for tarpon came from. All the fly and the guys, tarpon, right? Oh, <clears throat> yes, but you can target them not being a fly guy. Um, and I do fly fish, but you can target tarpon up there um, just and wreck the tarpon in the rivers, out on the flats. I mean, they are everywhere. Cobia. Um, then push in up these rivers, and you've got massive, amazing bass fishing. So, I mean, what's not to love? <laughs> yeah, right. Plus, I like that area because it's not so crowded. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's I mean there are days there, I can crazy. go out there and never see a boat. Right. Yeah, I enjoy fishing up there with uh, the Plantation on Crystal River being a big sponsor of my show. And uh, you and I have got to fish there a couple times, um, had some great trips yeah. up there. Triple tail fishing is f- spectacular. The sheephead fishing, because of all the rock piles and all that, the sheephead fishing in the winter is world class. I mean, six, oh. seven, eight, ten pound you know, sheephead are absolutely a blast, give you all the fight you want. So it's a, it's a neat great. history table fair as well yeah no doubt no doubt about it so good stuff so redfish your favorite uh yankee town english crystal river homosassa your favorite place to fish you know we have to dive into unfortunately we would be remiss if we didn't dive into uh the incredible job you've done 
with the CCA Star Tournament here in Florida, being the CCA Star Tournament director. I've said it many times. I know I've said it on the air. You've probably heard me say it, Lisa, but I, I think that Brian Gorski and the people at CCA Florida did themselves a great service, a great job when they chose you to lead that tournament, um, not just because of you know the, the job you do, which has been fantastic, but because of your passion for the sport. I think you give it a great, you being such a great angler, you being so conservation-minded, you being a great outdoorsman, a, a great sports uh, sportswoman, a great, um, uh, uh, you know, somebody that people can look up to in the sport. I think that you give it uh, incredible credibility. So, and, and I believe that's why the tournament is doing so well. Um, and now we've just we've just recently finished up a year, um, which was another great year for CCA Star. What's new? for CCA Star Tournament going into 2020. Do we know yet? Do we have, are we far enough along to have any idea? We are far enough along. Okay. Um, you know, we're, we're not at, I mean, gosh, we have 17 total divisions. So there's something for anyone that is an angler or anyone who's not an angler because there are divisions that you don't have to catch fish in. Right. Um, we have inshore and offshore opportunities um, tagged redfish, tagged dolphin. We have grouper, kingfish, mahi, trout, non-tagged redfish, and snook. We also have that conservation division, and, and our great friends at PowerPole are um, the, the partners for our conservation division. But any fish that you catch during the summertime, if you take a photograph of it, on the West Marine official measuring device, you have the opportunity to win some amazing prizes. So with a half a million dollars in prizes and $100,000 in college scholarships, there's really no reason that someone should not be fishing over the summertime. I know a lot of people said um, this past summer, oh my gosh, I'm not fishing because of the closures. I, 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 pleasantly try to remind them there's a half a million reasons for you to be fishing <laughs> right. this summer. Besides the fact and that it's, it's just fun. Just fishing is just fun. fun. It's just fun. You know, the greatest, one of the greatest lines I've ever heard about that, you know, you, you, people show up all the time for charters and <clears throat> they, they, they have a giant cooler and they're like, oh, yeah, we got 30 family members coming over this weekend. We're going to do a big fish fry. And, you know, we, we knew we were going on this charter. We're going to slay them. So, blah, blah. And I'm like, you just cursed yourself, first of all, because that's usually how it works. That, that person usually doesn't have the day they think they're going to have. But our good friend, and I know you know Phil Duggar, Captain Phil Duggar from down in Charlotte Harbor. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Phil Duggar used to say that people play golf and don't eat the ball. It's the same thing. You can't just go fishing yeah. and catch the fish. I mean, why got why you got to kill everything? I don't. And again, I like to take fish home. Don't. I'm not the guy that puts. I'm not all catch and release here. If you know, Miss Beth calls the house and, or calls the boat during the day and says, "Hey, if they don't take them home, we could use something. I didn't take anything out for dinner, and we catch illegal fish, and the customers don't want it. it you know, it may go home with me. So I'm not against keeping right. fish, but you know this whole idea that because the closures just boogered up all their fishing, to me that just doesn't make any sense. I think those people really miss the the beauty and the uh, splendor of fishing. Well, and you know we want to reward them. 
we want to reward you for releasing your fish. So take a photograph of it again this year, Mike. And you've had the gen- you've had a, a gentleman on your boat that only caught one trout, and he won a boat. Yes. Again this year, the gentleman who won in the trout division only caught one trout over the summer, <laughs> and he won a brand new boat. That's phenomenal. That's phenomenal. So there's, I mean, there are so many wonderful things. You know, you have a GMC pickup truck. This year, all three of the tagged redfish winners came from the West Coast. Nice. You know, we, iHeartRadio um, sponsored the tagged redfish division, and we had one, uh, two of them caught in Charlotte Harbor, and then one of them was caught up in Hudson. Nice. And you put them, so, in, and you you put know, them in every county. So every county that we put, touches the Every coast. county has on average four tagged redfish. However, there are three counties right now that are, are really under, they're considered destination counties. Mm-hmm. And those counties are Charlotte Harbor, Citrus County, and Visit Space Coast, which is Brevard County. Nice. Every one of those counties has eight total tagged redfish in their county. Wow. Double your opportunity. That's why Charlotte County had two winners this year. Yeah, it makes sense. And they had good redfish. And they had additional redfish. Mm -hmm. This summer, make your plans to go fish one of those counties. Your odds are pretty good. No doubt. Now, one of the questions I get a lot, um, and I'm sure you get it too, uh, those of us that are you know, knee deep with uh, CCA Florida, uh, we tend to get this. A lot of people don't really understand what all CCA is doing. You know, why is it so important for people to be members of CCA? That's the question that I get. And what, what do you tell them? I know what I tell them, but what do you tell them when somebody comes to you and says, you know, CCA, Coastal Conservation Association, why, why should I be a member? What do you tell them? What I tell them is that Our organization, Coastal Conservation, in Florida, we're the uh, largest nonprofit of our kind that does actual physical habitat restoration, water quality, advocacy, and protection of anglers' rights to fish. If you're not involved with us and helping us, you know, we do oyster bed renourishment seagrass replantings, mangrove plantings, um, shoreline stabilization, offshore and nearshore reefs. In the last 10 years, our organization has physically taken our own money, over $800,000 of our own money, collaborated with other organizations to turn that into $4.5 million of brick and mortar projects that have gone back into our coastal waters. And when I say brick and mortar, I mean actual physical projects like oyster beds, seagrass plantings, all types of habitat restoration projects that improve the quality of the habitat that our fish have, as well as water quality, um, advocacy, and things that help us sustain our uh, marine fisheries. Yeah, yeah, I think, uh, and and I get I get sometimes and sometimes doing seminars and things, and I bring up CCA, and 
sometimes invariably there's one, you know, jack wagon in the back of the room that wants to bark out something negative. And I'm, and I'm always trying to tell people, I'm like, listen, I'm all ears. I'm all ears. If you could give me, if you can give me a better direction to go than CCA, then, then point it out. Cause I don't see it. I don't know what it is. I think CCA does the most good. I think they cover the most with what they can. And, and in the big picture of things, our membership is so small. You know, you and I have talked about it. You've heard me talk about it. It's my little whip of brilliance that I came up with. You know, the, the, the left side wants to take our, our guns away from us. And the reason that they don't take the guns away from you is because there's 6 million members of the National Rifle Association. The NRA has 6 million members. So right off of Jump Street, if you're a politician and you say, you know what, I want to take their guns away, you know for sure, automatic, you lose 6 million votes. 6 million. Right. So you're telling me that if we had 3 million members of CCA, even if we had 3 million, I think our voice would be heard so clearly in Washington that we could get things actually done proactively in our fisheries because right now we don't have enough members for them to totally listen to us. Now, I think they do listen to us some, but if we had 3 million, 4 million, 5 million members, then they would know how important the saltwater is in the big picture. I really do. Uh, I believe that to be true. I think that's our biggest shortcoming. And I do. Although I believe it, Mike. It's getting better. It gets getting better. The The CCA Star Tournament has helped a great deal, and, and we're, we're gaining traction uh, as an organization. But uh, I, I just hope we can continue to grow it, and people will continue to understand how important this is for our future. Well, and people need to recognize that our organization – um, is not just regional. It's not just a small, you know, it's not just the east coast of Florida or the west coast of Florida. We cover all issues and um, habitat um, situations throughout the entire state of Florida. Right. It's, um, you know, we, we, the panhandle and what's going on with the Apalachicola oystermen and, and our oysters there and our rivers there and then our springs. And, you know, over in the Indian River Lagoon and all the good works that um, CCA is doing in the Indian River Lagoon, the things that we're doing in um, Sarasota and Tampa Bay and down near Ponorasa and all the way down into the Everglades and then over to, uh, you know, the east coast of Florida. We're working throughout the entire state of Florida. And there are other great organizations that are regional. Um, Tampa Bay Watch for us being one of them here in this area, but you know you've got to get involved. And, and you know I am a proponent of doing something. Um, if you're not involved with us, CCA Florida, do something. Get involved with someone or some organization, but make sure they're the real thing. Yeah, make sure that they're, you know, their efforts. Yeah. You, yeah, oftentimes you can find organizations. I mean, there is not another organization. Look at the restocking measures that CCA Florida has done um, because of um, our red tide. We have restocked over 30,000 redfish on the west coast of Florida from Pasco County down to Collier County. And we and, and, and snook as well. We've done 5,000 snook in the hardest hit areas by red tide. We'll be doing that again this year. 
we'll be doing more than our 30,000 redfish because we're also going to be working to supply the east coast of Florida and help them reestablish their redfish that were decimated due to the lack of habitat and poor water quality. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm but, a big CCA fan, as everybody um, everybody listening probably knows already, as I'm always beating that drum. Let's, uh, let's try to, I want to try to ask you something um, uh, technical, okay? Because I, like okay. I like to try to teach people something. What is it that you think might be a tip or two that would just help the regular angler uh, who's listening to the podcast catch more fish? What is it that you think that, you know, anglers miss out on? Something that they're not maybe paying attention to or a trick here, a trick there. You know, what is it that Lisa does differently than some of the other anglers? Well, I, I, I do a lot of seminars. And one of the things that I notice when I, I make mention of this is everybody's eyeballs seem to light up and it seems like the light bulb goes off in their head is that when I'm fishing, I am trying to get my bait in front of as many mouths, fish mouths, and fish eyeballs as I possibly can. So in order to do that, if I'm fishing artificials or if I'm fishing live bait, I have to present the bait to the fish I'm targeting so that it's natural. So I always try to fish with the current, not against the current, if that makes sense. If I'm, my boat will be going against the current, but that means that my bait is coming with the current. Fish are opportunistic feeders. They're always facing into the current. So if the current is bringing bait to them, you want to cast up current up tide and allow that tide to bring the bait back to the fish. That's going to create the most natural presentation. Most natural presentation. And, you know, if you're, if you're casting in the other direction, if you're using, you know, if you're casting against the current, um, you're casting to the tail of the fish. And I don't know many fish that eat with their backside. I, I always, I, it's one of my favorite questions. Uh, I see it all the time during tarpon season here on Tampa Bay, down in Charlotte Harbor for years. People behind the fish casting to them like magically tarpon eat out their butt. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable to it, me. It's, it, you guys it, it make blows sense. my mind. Yeah, it really, it's one of those things. I, I've never been able to fully grasp why people do that, but they get behind those fish and they're so excited that there's fish there that they, they just keep casting at their, at their butt. I'm like, they, they don't eat out that end. You're, you're really, yeah. you're really not presenting that bait correctly. It cracks me up. That's pretty funny. No doubt about it. So, uh, I think it would be remiss of me if we did this podcast and did not take a second to talk about, uh, something that, uh, I know we've talked about this on the radio a little bit, but you were named sportsman of the year by the Sarasota sportsman's association. And that is the first time that a woman has been named sportsman of the year. Congratulations on that. And what did that award, what does that mean to you, Lisa? Well, I, I have to tell you, um, I was so, so humbled and honored to accept that award. Um, you know, I have all my life 
just been so passionate about the outdoors and conservation. I'm involved in the National Wild Turkey Federation. I'm involved in Ducks Unlimited, um, you know, CCA, um, Quail Forever, Quail Unlimited. I have always, always had a passion for the outdoors and have tried to be the real deal, um, not just because I'm a female, but to really embrace what the sporting lifestyle is all about. And so I have worked with women and youth and tried to really get more women and youth into the sport of hunting and fishing. So for me to be named sportsman of the year was just, um, was just kind of like, I love, um, I love fattening stuff. So I, I, I want to say icing on the cake or <laughs> cherry on the top of the whipped cream. Um, you know, I, I just, it, it, it was so amazing. And I know it was because of, um, you know, my efforts to work with the school system here in, in Sarasota um, and, and work with a lot that there's a um, group here that has um, middle schoolers um, learning to fish. And I volunteered my time on Monday afternoons to go and teach casting and then to teach um, cast netting and we had, you know, we had groups of, there was almost 60 kids in this, in this one outdoor um, club and they were middle school kids. Nice. And it was just, it was so fun for me. And then I also went and spoke to all of the um, Hillsborough County um, youth camps and the fish and wildlife youth camps and, you know, worked with all of the different organizations that try to teach people to develop a passion for the outdoors. So I think it was just a, a great way to, um, to say thank you to me and, and a great way for, for me to feel um, that being recognized for what you do, because you can be compensated for your career. Um, but when you go above and beyond um, with your personal life, to prop, you know, to propagate what you believe in, it just really, um, it just meant, it just meant so much to me. Well, it was well deserved, my friend. You do a great job. I think again, you're the the perfect choice to lead the CCA Florida Star Tournament uh, into the future. Uh, you've done a great job so far getting it launched. I can't wait to see what you guys come up with next. You know how much CCA means to me. Um, tell everybody how they can get involved with CCA the, and give out the websites for that and the CCA Florida Star Tournament for uh, next year's tournament. Well, um, very simply, they can go to the website, join CCA. They can select the Florida Star competition to get involved with Florida Star. And it's a simple project um, to get to become a CCA member, um, we ask that you do something, get involved in your community. We have uh, trash pickups all over the state of Florida in our Costa Kick Plastic Trash campaign. So there is so much that we have the ability to be able to do and um, 
you know, develop within each community. And if you have a project, this is something I want to share with your, your, your podcast listeners. If there is a project that you're working on that has to do with conservation of our marine resources, reach out on our website, ccaflorida.org, and let us know that you'd like some assistance, whether it's with volunteer hours, whether it's with a grant from our organization, and we can partner with you to help you facilitate that. This is something that we do, and we want to make sure that people know we're working throughout the state of Florida to, to really reestablish great habitats for our saltwater um, marine resources. You do a great job, my friend. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. Uh, I know people are going to uh, enjoy this podcast as much as I enjoyed uh, talking to you. As always, I look forward to uh, seeing you soon. And uh, you and Lo, enjoy your holiday season, all right? Well, happy, 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 happy holiday to you and Beth and your family. And I have to tell you just one quick little snippet. Having your daughter help release um, live redfish when the tournament that we got those fish from was normally a kill tournament was one of the most fun afternoons to see the excitement in her face and how much she enjoyed being a part of that release was absolutely amazing. So I'm glad you enjoyed um, that. Yeah. Rachel, my oldest daughter, Rachel had a blast. She's uh she's reposted those pictures several times. That was actually her birthday weekend. Um, I was coming up there with Beth and Georgia to do the uh, tournament out of the plantation and, and, uh, we wanted her to come along, and she was able to put, pull that all together and join us. And, man, she just lit up like a Christmas tree to go, you know, release all those redfish with you. And she talked about it for days. So I appreciate you giving her that opportunity. She had so much fun. Well, um, you know, that's one of our – that's one of my personal um, initiatives is to try and get tournaments throughout the state of Florida that are still – harvesting redfish in order to win a tournament to go to a catch and release format or a catch photo format. So if anybody needs help with that and they're listening, reach out to me and I'll be happy to try and help you convert your tournament from a harvest tournament to a catch photo or live weigh-in. Captain Lisa Fitzgerald, you're one of the best, one of my favorites. Thank you for your afternoon. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Mike. And I look forward to seeing you as always on the water. See you soon. Wow, I hope you guys enjoyed that podcast. I told you Captain Lisa Fitzgerald, her passion for the outdoors um, is absolutely second to none. She does a great, just a great job. You can see why uh, the Florida CCA Star Tournament is doing so well with her passion for conservation and, uh, again, her leadership uh, in the industry, uh, bringing more and more female anglers to our sport, I think is just fantastic. Uh, Truly blessed to have her. Really hope you enjoyed that as much as I enjoyed it. Remember, uh, the Real Animals podcasts are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, and ritampabay.com. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review. And the Real Animals podcasts are presented by Contender Boats. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We appreciate it.
I'm Jerry Petuck, CEO of Radio Influence. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on any of our programming, or if you have some show ideas you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you take time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means more than you could ever know. Without you, the listener, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to all of our programming. You can find all of Radio Influence's programming on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com.